two-week notice podcast. Yo, yo, what up, everyone? You are listening to the Two Week Notice Podcast. My name is Dana Bui. I'm your host. Thank you so much for listening. Come on. Yes. Today, we have an awesome episode for you. And what a special guest. We got Walter Schreifels on the podcast. Walter Schreifels of Youth of Today, Gorilla Biscuits, Quicksand, Rival Schools, and so much more. Walter, thank you so much for your time. Very cool. And a huge shout out to Casey over at Iodine Records. What up, Casey? Casey and Joseph and the rest of the team over at Iodine Records have been pumping shit out. They've been very busy since the rebirth of Iodine Records in 2021, including the 30-year anniversary. They just put this out a couple months ago. The 30-year anniversary of Quicksand's debut full-length, Slip. They repressed it on vinyl. There's different variations and stuff. I think some of it's sold out, but I know there's still some shit available. Go check it out. They did an outstanding job. It looks beautiful. You can even get a super deluxe edition with with this 64-page color book with input from different fan people, including Walter. And there's like never-before-seen content in here. There's like old ticket stubs and show flyers. If you are like a super fan of Quicksand, this is the perfect item for you. So to check that out and more, click on the link in the description of this podcast episode. Now, before we get to my interview with Walter, what else we got going on? I'm about to hit the road in a couple of days with the front bottoms. I cannot wait. Coming up quick. I still got a pack. I still got a lot of shit to do. I always stress about the things like getting appointments done and paying bills and running errands and just like there's always a lot to take care of before you leave for a few weeks or I'll be gone for a month. So I leave Boston in a couple of days. We are going to be in Nashville for the weekend. Those guys are going to rehearse. I'm going to be working on the podcast since I'm pretty much just posted up for a couple of days. I love Nashville. I'm staying outside the city, though. I don't know if I'll get out much. Dude, honestly, so, like, my collarbone is still very much broken. So I really got to be careful. As long as I don't lift anything too heavy, like, no more than five pounds in my right arm. And as long as I don't fall, I'll be fine. So just don't fall and don't use your right arm to pick shit up. It's still uncomfortable, though. I'm still in a lot of pain. I'll be all right, though. I'm just so stoked to get back out there. I need this. I've been stuck inside. Laid up, dude. If you don't know, yeah, I had a skateboarding accident, like, a month ago, I broke my collarbone, broke a rib, got a concussion, fucked up my neck. Come on. It was brutal. I told the whole story like 
like two episodes ago. So even doing the podcast, I've been having a really hard time keeping up with, you know, that concussion. I'm telling you, it really fucked me up. I need to see a specialist or something. That shit is real. I'm having trouble with like completing tasks. Now, I like, listen, I got the ADD and like focus problems and memory problems like, but this is different. It's not just that. For sure, this is definitely different. Extra brain fog and like confusion. It's brutal. I think I got to see a specialist. So if anybody has ever experienced this themselves or or has dealt with this kind of thing, give me a shout. Hit me up on Instagram or something because I'm telling you, my head's, it ain't right. Something's wrong. I'll be all right. I'll be all right. But yeah, the collarbone's still pretty fucked too. I, I saw the doctor three days ago. I got an x-ray. He gave me the green light to go on tour. He said it's all good. But he's like, you're not out of the woods yet. You need to be really careful. So I got to be really careful. I can do that, right? But also I need this for like my own sanity or like happiness because I've just been laid up for a month. I've been pretty down at times, you know, and the front bottoms are so great. They're really awesome, positive people to be around. I'm happy when I'm on tour because I feel like I have a purpose and, you know, I feel like I belong. Also, their music is very uplifting. So not to mention, I need to get back to work. I haven't worked in like two months, dude. So for all of those reasons, I'm very excited to get back out there. I have been getting out and going to shows like a lot lately. In the last few weeks, I saw both of Bane's big reunion shows at Roadrunner in Boston. I've seen Joyce Manor three times. Twice was with Weezer. Once was a headliner. This was so sick. It was a few weeks ago. And I'm just so stoked for Joyce Manor in general because, you know, I toured with them last year and to see them out with Weezer was so cool. And on a day off from the Weezer tour, they played someplace, I can't remember the name of the town, in New York, just across the Massachusetts border. is like three hours from me. I ain't got shit to do, so I just hopped in the car. It was in a bar, 100 cap room, but like the actual room where the band is playing is probably half the size of the bar. So everyone just stuffed into this little tiny room and Joyce Manor ripped. I didn't even try to go in the room, dude. I was still in a sling at the time. I just kind of hung back, sang along. Love that band. I also saw Citizen perform at the House of Blues in Boston. They played Youth, their uh, debut record that they wrote when they were in high school. Came out 10 years ago now, but they performed that in its entirety. And the energy of the crowd at the House of Blues that night was incredible. The last show I saw there before that was Thrice when I was on the Thrice tour. And that show was incredible. It's Thrice. Come out. But Citizen's energy was like next level. Just the energy in that room overall. It was unbelievable. That was a great show. Uh, I saw L.S. Dunes down in Providence. Travis Stever. He plays guitar in L.S. Dunes and Coheed and Cambria. He's been on the podcast. That was a good episode. If you're interested, go back and check that out. But he and I did a record swap. I traded him some piebald records in exchange for a signed copy of the L.S. Dunes Past Lives vinyl. This record is beautiful. Like the jacket, the actual vinyl. It's like a nice orange. And they all signed it with this like really special like sick-ass gold marker. Very, very cool. I should frame that one. He's also going to get me a copy of Second Stage Turbine Blade signed by Coheed and Cambria. So I traded him a, yeah, a bunch of piebald stuff. This was a great trade for the both of us. What else? I saw the band Karate the other night with Andy from Piebald. So Karate, they're this band from Boston. They formed in like 1993. They're just this awesome three-piece band. They're incredible. I love Karate. And I left like, <laughs> I wrote a note because I've been trying to get one of them on 
on the podcast, but I don't know how to get in touch. I've tried Instagram and like I've tried asking to see if any of the Pieball guys know them because, you know, they both came up in Boston. But Andy was like, no, we just didn't run in the same circles. So I had no way of contacting them as a long shot after the show. I wrote a little note and I put it in the door handle of a van that I, I wasn't sure if it was theirs. They played a festival in Somerville, Massachusetts. So there's a bunch of bands in and out all weekend. This was just a couple days ago. I didn't know if this was karate or not. It was the most logical vehicle that I could see that would have been Karate's van. So I just like put a note there and sure enough, I got an email yesterday like, hey, Dana, it's Jeff from Karate. Thanks for the note. I would love to do the podcast. So I'm just as stoked that that actually worked <laughs> as I am to get Jeff on the podcast. <laughs> That's so cool. Bear with me. I'm doing the best I can. I'll be healed up soon. But being on tour slows it down, too. It's very hard to edit while I'm on the road. But don't worry. All you got to do to ensure that you don't miss a single episode is make sure you're following the show or that you're subscribed to the show with the notifications on. Come out. All right. That way you do not miss a single episode in the future. In the meantime, check the backlog, right? If you're like, dude, what the heck? It's been two weeks since you put one out. Plenty of interviews in the archives. Recent podcast guests include Vinnie Caruana of The Movie Life and I Am the Avalanche, Simon O'Connor of Modest Mouse and MGMT, Nick Ham of Citizen, Aaron Bedard of Bane, Buzz McGrath of Unearth, Jim Ward of Sparta and formerly and a founder of At the Drive-In, Joey Sharamonti of Koyo and so much more. Now, if you really want to support the show, here's what you can do. Hit me with a five-star written review if you got an iPhone in particular. Go on Spotify, hit me with five stars over there or do both. Honestly, it's really helpful. Share it with a friend. Follow me on the socials. My Instagram links are in the description of this podcast episode. Most importantly, thank you so much for listening. And if this is your first time, welcome. Couple of things to plug. Piebald. We got some shows coming up that sadly I'm going to miss. I haven't missed a Piebald show since before 2016. I'm going to be out with the front bottoms. So these are the dates. Piebald has one headliner in Kingstown, Rhode Island at Ocean Mist. This venue, I guess it's right on the beach. Everyone keeps telling me how awesome this place is. I wish I could go. It's killing me. But. The show must go on, people. But get tickets. That's going to sell out if it hasn't already. It's Piebald and support is Vinnie Caruana, Solo, and Math, the band. And then the next three dates are Piebald supporting the movie life. And that's August 4th in Boston, August 5th in Brooklyn, New York, and August 6th in Philly. Also, Furnace Fest is coming up real quick. Just two months away. Holy shit. What an awesome festival. This will be my third year in a row going down to Birmingham, Alabama at the Sloss Furnaces, which is a national landmark really cool spot. Piebald's playing Friday. Come see my dumb ass play the cowbell. But in addition to Piebald, I don't have the thing in front of me, but off the top of my head, oh, there's so many sick bands. MXPX, Turnstile, Bane, Pennywise, Bouncing Souls, Drain, Sparta, Thursday, Head Automatica, Seosin, Throwdown, Knuckle Puck, Koyo, Zayo, Youth of Today, Gorilla Biscuits, Walter, he's on double duty, and many, many more. Check that out. Really awesome festival. And let me know if you're coming down. We'll hang out. For tickets tickets and more information follow the links in the description of this podcast episode the front bottoms of course starting in august 1st in st louis missouri then we're going to red rocks where yours truly is going to be bartending on stage and i am bringing my cowbell and my tambourine come on 
I can't wait to see Red Rocks. I haven't been yet. I'm very excited. It's like a big deal. From there, we're doing Salt Lake City, Portland, Seattle, Berkeley, California, Anaheim, Los Angeles. I think that might be all of them on this leg. After Los Angeles, they're flying out to Hawaii for a show while my punk ass will be driving the box truck back to the East Coast. I'm so happy to get back to work. I wish I was going to Hawaii with them next time. And there's more dates. We are busy all year. We're doing the When We Were Young Festival in Las Vegas. They're hitting the UK. If I'm not doing anything, I kind of want to just fly out there and hang out. Bunch of exciting stuff. The Red Rock show on August 4th is a record release date, dude. Brand new album, By the Front Bottoms, is coming out that night. Also on that show, Say Anything and Kevin Devine. Kevin Devine, I I think he's on the whole tour, at least this leg. So come out to a front bottom show. Come find my punk ass. I'll be there. Be there or be fucking square. For tickets and more information, you already know. Link in the description of this podcast episode. Go to www.plugyourholes.com for all of your body jewelry needs. Plugs, tunnels, stretchers, gauges, and more. Since the mid-2000s, plugyourholes.com has been bringing the best in body jewelry to your doorstep. And for a 15% discount off of your entire order just type in the code twnpod that's t-w-n-p-o-d type that in at the checkout for a 15 percent discount and last but not least before we get to my talk with walter schreifels quicksand has some tour dates and in honor of the 30th anniversary of the album slip they will be playing that record in its entirety all these shows take place in october november and december october 30th is the first one in atlanta and then raleigh north carolina washington dc philadelphia pennsylvania boston massachusetts new york new york englewood colorado salt lake city utah portland oregon vancouver british columbia Seattle, Washington, San Francisco, California, and Los Angeles, California. For tickets and more information, there is a link in the description of this podcast episode. All right, here's my talk with Walter Schreifels. Enjoy. Today on the podcast, this is a, a big honor, man. Walter Schreifels of, all right, I'm going to try here. There's no way I'll get everything. <laughs> Gorilla Biscuits, Youth of Today, Quicksand, Rival Schools, Walking Concert, Vanishing Life, Dead Heavens, an amazing producer. I'm going to stop there. What, what am I missing here, Walter? There was one that I, I think you might have been missing or two. There's there's my like... um Solo stuff, in, of course. Solo surf. I was in Warzone. 
You hit all, I don't know. I'm showing off now. Point is, legendary. Walter Schreifels, this is truly a big honor. So thank you for your time. Thank um, you. So you're all sweaty, dude. Uh, you just you said you just came back from a run. I just came back for a run. I um I'm training for the uh for the Brooklyn Half Marathon that's coming up next weekend, and I just I haven't really been running that much. I'm just kind of jump starting it, and so it's like whoa, it's um it's cool. I'm having fun. This morning was not that fun. It was more of like pain, but torture. I made it. Yeah. Well, not torture, but I got lost out there. Not lost, but like I went out further than I thought. And then I was like, oh man, you know, it's the time becomes a constraint. So I'm like running as fast as I can and just like pushing as hard as I can. And um, that's cool. But you know, it's, it's, it gets tiring. It's good for you though. You know, when you yeah. kind of put yourself in that situation, I snowboard a lot. Oh, cool. And if I go off the trails into the woods mm -hmm. and stuff, you can get lost, dude. I love it. But like, yeah, it's like you never forget those moments, especially if it's somewhere you've never been, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think uh, that's one of the funnest things, you know, like, why would you go back the way that you came? You know, like being lost is just a, a cool opportunity to find new stuff, discover new stuff, except when you have that time constraint and that puts a little extra Mission Impossible, you know, bite puts, to it. Puts a little fire under your ass. For sure. Anything in life in general, if I have a time constraint, it like keeps me in check because otherwise, mm -hmm. who knows where I'll end up. Which it's is half true. the fun. Very true, actually. I'm going to ask this right off the bat. You ride a motorcycle, right? Or did before? I, no, no, no. I've never I've never ridden a motorcycle. I've ridden scooters like in Jamaica, stuff like that. But I've never rode a motorcycle before. I think I assumed that wrongfully because it was Walter and the motorcycles, right? Oh, yeah. That was just me making an assumption. Ooh, um, I didn't think of that. Uh, that was just purely because I was trying to think of something that sort of rhymed with my name, Walter Schreifels and the motorcycles. And it obviously it didn't work. <laughs> That's what I was thinking with that. I didn't consider that, you know. I assumed you were a motorcycle rider and mm. I did it for a few years. I loved it, but I don't know, nothing bad happened. But one day I was just like, yeah, just something in my gut. But my favorite part about riding was my buddy would always call me like, yo, Dana, what are you doing today? I'd be like, oh, I'm off. Like, what's up? He'd be like, you want to? Want to hop on the bikes and get lost? Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, sure. He was my favorite person to ride with. I would just follow him. I don't wow. know where he would go, but I would follow him and I trusted him. And like, we would get lost up in, you know, like New Hampshire. I'm from Boston. So we just shoot yeah. up to like New Hampshire and Maine and just like, how cool. We, yeah, just getting lost. Like, that was some of my, you know, fondest memories, I guess. So that was why oh I brought all that up, you know? Yeah, I, li I like that. That sounds really cool. I, from what I understand, a lot of the, the uh, that's a great uh, area for riding motorcycles. Oh, it's the best. Right now I'm in New Hampshire, the White Mountains. Uh -huh. Got this like ski place. I don't know if you're... I ski a little bit. I started very late though. So I don't have like a, you know, a big history. I started like three or four years ago. So I like it. But I think it is like motorcycling. Like I don't, it's really fun, but I don't know if I need to like break my wrist or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Skiing, you know, at my age, I don't know if that's <laughs> the kind of problems I really want. But yeah, but I, I, I like it. But I know from friends that do uh, ride motorcycles that, you know, uh, New England has like beautiful spots to ride absolutely no it's funny what you said it's like a everything's risk assessment these days mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. and i don't even have like a wife and kids that scale uh -huh. would be much different i'm sure right yeah yeah for sure but anyway dude i want to talk about you i have so many things i can ask you but i'd like to start from the beginning if you can just give us an introduction and brief history on your musicianship coming up uh -huh. as a kid that would be awesome yeah, cool. I guess I got into music, like I got into the Beatles and Rolling Stones and Beach Boys and, you know, all went through my parents' record collection. I was always really into music. 
And then uh, when I was like 13 or something around that age, I got some guitar lessons, me and a, a couple of friends. And then me and one of the friends started a little band and uh, started writing songs, like kind of making, mostly making fun of my classmates, doing stuff, you know, like just kind of ridiculous stuff, like writing songs about Conan and just weird stuff, um, Vikings. And then, yeah, then I got into hardcore music. And then eventually I got into, found some some good people to, and that was Gorilla Biscuits. We started with that. And then uh, I got asked to join Youth Today, which was a pretty popular hardcore band at the time. I was in Warzone, which is another popular hardcore band. So I all of a sudden was kind of like really, you know, in the scene and, and, um, and then the scene got really good. So from that, that kind of made it more of like a... Uh, I wouldn't say any still, I don't think I had any career ambitions, but I was just doing it. And then when uh, I started quicksand was kind of like after, I guess it was, yeah, literally post hardcore. Then it became started to become more of a thing, like serious thing. And, you know, where I was like on, on major labels and um, I started to do some production work, at, you know, throughout, you know, all of a sudden here I am and uh, I'm celebrating 30th anniversaries of records that people are still excited about. So, I mean, it, it's been, you know, a lot of amazing, amazing times and and um you know seeing the world and doing things that i enjoy so I, i'm really grateful for the the whole whole ride yeah man speaking of 30 year anniversaries quicksands slip iodine records actually i should give casey iodine uh -huh. a shout out uh -huh. because he made this happen yes oh um, my gosh they did such a great job on it they really gave it a lot of love so i, I appreciate that and I saw you guys at Furnace Fest uh, this past year, which is oh, one of my wow. favorite sets of the entire weekend, man. You guys oh, fucking you. ripped. I want to say it was Saturday and you had like the golden hour too. Like uh -huh. kind of. Yeah, we got a good time. Yeah, dude. It was such an awesome, awesome uh, set right on the, the main stage. And yeah. it was just like a major highlight for me that weekend, you know? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I remember that night. That was that was such a fun time. So many cool bands. And we, yeah, we got a really good, we got a really good set time. It was really beautiful. Yeah, man. And uh, we got some mutual connections too. Uh, Steve Brodsky, mm -hmm. he's been a friend of Piebald forever. Best guy. Happy oh, birthday, Steve. Just it turned uh It's right, just turned 45, I believe. Yeah, maybe and something like that. Dude, I mean, that guy fucking rips. Yeah. And you know, it was interesting. It was... One of the biggest honors I've ever had. Uh, I was a box truck driver this time last year for the story so far on a mm -hmm. U.S. tour. And towards the end of that run, I was approached by my tour manager. Um, and he was saying that I think you guys are under the same management or, or something because he's like, um, yeah, Quicksand needs a, a bandwagon driver for the fall. Uh -huh. Like, are you interested? And I was like, oh, man, I would have been so honored. Oh, but damn. I've never, like, I drive piebald around, but I've never done the bandwagon. I had, like, other things going on anyway, but yeah. it was like, because he even said, like, you're a really good driver. They'd probably fly you out to Indiana to, like, train you and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man. Like, I was just, it was a hard one to, like, turn down. But oh, it was an honor, nonetheless. And I was cool. still able to catch you at Furnace Fest. And another reality, that tour happened. And we're that, best buddies that's from right. that tour. That's right. <laughs> I like that attitude. But I'll, but this is this is also good. You're right. You're right. So you're from New York. Mm -hmm. Where are you living now? Uh, I live in Manhattan. Are you from Manhattan specifically? I'm from Rockaway Beach originally, which is like kind of the outer, it's outer part of Queens. Okay. How far out is that? Um, you can see Manhattan from it, but I would say it's probably like eight miles or something like that. Maybe more. I don't know. I'm not sure, but it's about as far out in Queens as you can be and still be in Queens. It, like the next stop is like you're in Long Island or Nassau County. But it's beautiful. There's like, it's a beautiful beach, pretty chill place to grow up in in most ways. Lots of fun. That's pretty cool. You don't always hear that, especially like that close to the city, you know? Yeah, it's really weird that it's it's sort of like, I mean, now I think the secret's out. Everyone knows about Rockaway. But when I was growing up, 
despite the Ramones having the song about Rockaway Beach, it was not, uh, I don't think, at least it wasn't then what it is now. Like there's been a lot of, uh, you know, investment there and uh, it's gotten kind of, it's definitely like a hip place. And so. Cool, man. I just love New York's history, Long Island's mm -hmm. history, especially the whole hardcore thing. And mm -hmm. I was just on a tour with Bayside, I Am the Avalanche, and this newer up and coming oh, yeah. band, Koyo. Great band. Yeah, all three of them are yeah. great. Yeah. Um, I just, I don't know. People always say like Boston and New York should be clashing, but like uh, music is different, you know? Yeah, I don't think that's ever real. I think it's just like good press. Maybe Red Sox, Yankees stuff, I guess, maybe. But um, yeah. so are you a sports guy? I haven't been too much lately. I mean, there was periods in my life where I get into it. Usually I was really into the Knicks in the 90s. So I would follow them a lot. I was into the Mets in the early 90s. The Yankees were kind of ever present, you know, through that era. Oh, yeah. But um, I still enjoy like I like watching basketball. I, I like watching uh, soccer, you know, when it's on, but I'm not following it really. Right, right. Yeah, I'm the same way. What about playing sports? I mean, like, you know, you run. Did you grow up doing anything else? I played basketball until, and I was like, you know, okay, I wasn't, I wasn't great, but I was, I could play. And then uh, once I learned how to play guitar, I, I just really didn't, I kind of lost interest in sports. I skateboarded for a little while. I sucked at that. I broke my ankle and I was like, I'm mm. done with this. But you know, it's great fun, but uh, I kind of just fell off on that as well and just kind of stuck with guitar. But for me, like I love running. Um, I also practice yoga for, I don't know, 20, 30 years. Oh, that's amazing. I love yoga. When I was in college, I, I had to pick an elective. I was in culinary culinary arts, but I just like needed to, I was just looking through something fun that I could take uh -huh. that wasn't like the normal crap. And I picked yoga because it fulfilled that, those credits I needed. Mm. And I like, I loved it. I would always find reasons to like miss classes. I hate, I hate school so much. That's probably why I went to culinary school. But point is like that yoga class was like, I looked forward to it. And it's uh, great. I would go to the Y sometimes and like do those. I, I really love it. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, you're checking in with your, with your body, how you feel, you know, each day and um, how everything's working, making sure that it all kind of operates. And I really like that about it. And with running, I really like, you know, the kind of aspect of like seeing things and exploring, you know, having these sort of like set challenges. It's all meditative for me, really. I think that's really the main thing about it. It's just calming and it's positive for your, for your health. Well, I will say you do have a very like centered and chill vibe, and I'm sure that has something to do with it. I think uh, that definitely helps if I have anxiety about something or um, whether I'm aware of it or whether I'm not after I like sit down on the mat, you know, stretch for a little while or go for a run. I come at whatever that anxiety or stress was with a different perspective because, you know, that's always what it is. You know, you're, you're consumed by feelings about the importance of this thing or that. And then, you know, later on you realize, oh, well, that didn't really matter that much. Yeah. You know I mean, this it wasn't really that big of a deal. I get in my head a lot. So I feel like it's 99% of like stuff. Yeah. And so I just so often find myself like you were so worried. I mean, it's good to be worried about things. It can motivate you to do something about it. But true. But where, you know, the amount of worry that you, you know, the stress that you put on yourself over certain things, it's just a matter of like, get to it, do it or don't. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? But don't add on to that. You know what I mean? And I think um, going for a run just like works that out. You know what I mean? And uh, yoga is very much the same. Yeah. My dad, he ran the Boston Marathon a few times. Uh -huh. You were talking about doing a half marathon. First half marathon? 
No, I run, I run half marathons. I've run marathons before, but oh, I just wow. haven't, I twisted my ankle pretty bad last summer and I just kind of took me out of um, running for a little while. And so I picked up on my yoga practice and I was uh, actually that kind of like came together and I spent all of January in India doing, uh, doing Whoa. yoga and I got my teaching teacher's certificate for uh, yoga so I can teach yoga if I want. Wow. And yeah, just like since then, I've been kind of, you know, I've, I've stayed very steady with my yoga practice, but um, my running game has like really kind of fell off. So I'm like, I got to I got to get something to get me moving again. So that's why I'm, I'm kind of doing the, uh, the half marathon. That ankle that you twisted, does that go back to your skateboarding injury? Uh, let me think if it was the same one. Um, <laughs> uh, no, it was the other one, which was annoying. This is my good one. Damn. I broke my ankle snowboarding in 2016, I think. Sometimes if you're favoring your bad foot, then that puts more weight on your other foot. I don't know if when you got injured or or if, you know, it's I was I was you. trail running. I think it was um, you know, when you're running trail running, you just step on something wrong and it's just it's right. Fun. I guess I meant um, the skateboard injury, like if you did it when you were a kid versus, you know, I don't know, 10 years ago. Yeah. There's a big difference there. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know I if did that... it when I was like 19. Okay. Does so it still bother it, you or? It's definitely, a, you know, like. Never the same. How it affects <laughs> me. Yeah, you're never the same. Totally. You know, it definitely affects your gait and, um, yeah, how I run and um, everything. But I can't say that it's like held me back in any way, but I'm aware of it. Right. Yoga helps that too. You oh, know, for if sure. If you're properly for practicing. Sure. Can you talk about India? Because I find this fascinating. You said oh, January, like you were Yeah, I was there all there? of January, yeah. And uh, it was wow. amazing. Um, I flew into Mumbai, and uh, which is their like kind of, you know, most... It's like their New York, huge, maybe? Yeah, sort of, yeah. It's really, it was really amazing. Um, you know, there was, a, I was kind of like, a, like, oh man, there's gonna be a lot of poverty. And there was, but you know, there's like a rhythm to it all. And like, once you kind of get, get into it, um, I found the people to be really cool. Um, it was a very interesting place. And then uh, the yoga, uh, I was in an ashram, like two hours north of uh, Mumbai. And I was there for a month doing all kinds of great stuff, yoga, um, great food, um, singing chanting it, it was really wonderful great group of people and then i was back in mumbai for uh i don't know three or four days and that was really cool get kind of back into like a little bit of regular world like uh and i went to see the uh i went to Lollapalooza and i saw the strokes in mumbai that was kind of back oh, to wow. like civilization kind of experience that, that was really cool and that's uh, so cool and just had a great time in Mumbai, just walking around and, and seeing seeing the sights there and, you know, seeing how people live in India. It was magic. I really, I, I definitely want to go back. Was the sole purpose yeah. of the trip, because you, you had mentioned earlier getting like your teacher certification, yeah. was, was that the sole purpose of that journey? Yeah, I mean, it was, there was, I also wanted to go to India and I wouldn't really, I don't know that I felt like I would just go to India and be like, okay, I'm in Mumbai, what do I do now? Or, you know, I didn't, I wouldn't really even know where to go. Mm -hmm. So um, the yoga thing was like a way to, I'll see India and I'll get my teacher's training. Because getting a teacher's training, usually like people will do it over long periods of time. Like you'll do like a set number of weekends or something over six months or something to get the hours where this was just like intensive, knock it out in a month um, way. So it just kind of worked out for me. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a great way to start the year. What'd you say? It somebody put you up or um the ashram was beautiful i had like i had a nice room it was very comfortable and also oh, it was uh, like through the like you stayed through the yoga program yeah 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 through the okay. yoga program so it's like you're there and you have a place to stay and you your meals are included and um yeah so that's that's how it is wow 
So when you say intense, how intense was it? Was it like a 24-7 thing and you couldn't leave where you were at? It would be like um, we wake up at 5, I think it was at 5.30, we would start singing, we'd start chanting and, you know, we would be doing yoga until like 9.30 or something like that. And then we'd have breakfast and then we, you know, then we'd have a class, we'd have these music classes and then we'd have teacher classes, philosophy classes. So the whole day would be full, you know. Almost like a summer camp? It was like summer campy, yeah. It was definitely like summer camp, but only, you know, learning about Ayurvedic medicine. You're learning about, yeah, Vedic philosophy. Yeah, you're chanting, you're singing. I learned how to play harmonium, which is a kind of, it's sort of like, almost like a, it's an organ. It's a keyboard instrument, uh, but it runs by a bellow. So you you, uh, kind of pull it and it pushes air through the instrument. It's got a really cool like droning sound. So I learned how to play that there. There was like lessons on that. And great people. It was a very awesome experience. And it was, the weather was amazing. So nice. like New York, January is freezing. So it was nice to kind of skip out on a month of uh, winter. It was, was awesome. That's interesting about the music thing. How did that impact you? Any takeaways as a musician after like doing that section of it? Yeah, I really loved the um, the power of uh, repeated mantras, you know, like a, a mantra is like, a, you know, a kind of like a lyric, but it's sort of meant to be meditative. Um, and also the sound of drones, where it's just like a, something you would hear, like uh, the Velvet Underground did a lot of stuff with drones. You know, My Bloody Valentine does some droning things, but it's just, you know, where there's like one note just like going and how that kind of hits you after a while. And uh, and also just like Indian music and the rhythms that to it, you know, I, I've heard it but just being really immersed in it was super cool it's really i just like the sound of it so you you know you could someone all kinds of different people can sing the same mantra but with the way that they sing it it just takes on different depth and meaning and it's it's sort of like the same song but infinitely different i enjoyed it you know for all those reasons as a musician and just being in a beautiful place and you know being in touch with like indian culture and um you know going to all these things with indian people and just like watching how they live and how they celebrate and you know worship and you know that these these traditions in a country that you know, I've experienced it when I've gone to Japan, but where it's like an ancient culture, you know what I mean? Where it's like super old, you know, and like people have been doing certain things the way they've been doing them for such a, a long time. It's insane. Like you feel that when you're in a place like India and that's, you just don't have that in, in New York and that's great. New York's great. I love it. But so it's cool to be though in these other places and get some of that. Traveling is, it's the best, dude. Yeah. It's the best. Now, so how about like communication? Were there translators there? What was the diversity? Were you the only American or? There wasn't a lot of white people in Americans in in Mumbai. You just wouldn't see it that much. Um, Mm -hmm. So that was kind of interesting. People want to take their picture with you because you were just like, I have long hair. So I look like some sort of weird hippie guy. But so you they, are a legend. They probably didn't. didn't maybe even... they caught caught some of my legend vibe. I don't know. They they uh, <laughs> some Gorilla Biscuit fans out there. They they just want to take a picture with you because you you know they, you're interesting to them. That was kind of a, a cool experience. People were super nice. It was my my vibe. I'm sure there's fucking assholes there that are trying to you know. But I think generally, you know, going to places where there's a lot of poverty, which India is one of those kind of things where there's like this disparity. I didn't feel ever menaced. You know, I didn't ever feel like I'm gonna get jumped. Right. Really, not not too much. You know, I, that I I can remember. But you know, some of the poverty was shocking. Eye opening. 
Yeah. I mean, I would, I would not want to live there. That's for sure. You know what I mean? It's like, it's so overcrowded. The pollution there is insane. Yeah. Like uh, there was this group at the ashram that were like studying um, air pollution because the place where I was at was like an eco village. It was all self-sustaining. So they were studying that, like what, what's up with that. And um, they told me that um, Mumbai, I think is, is on the, um, on the pollution scale. I don't remember what the units are called, but it's, it's like a 400. Mm-hmm. And so I asked like, what's New York? She goes, 40. So Whoa. it's like 10 times the magnitude Whoa. of pollution in Mumbai than you're in New York. And it's like- That's insane. New York, actually, relatively speaking, I was found out from them is like one of the greenest, like that green, whatever, I don't know what word to say, but like the air quality is actually higher. It's on the on the really good end of it. Yeah, not to be confused with like the footprint, I think is what you're trying to say, maybe. Just the air quality, I think. Right, right. There's, there's, I think maybe because there's not, like in a place like Mumbai, there's still like industry. There's no industry really in New York, I don't think. And and also there's like, they planted lots of trees and they've done things in New York to like make it cleaner, you know? So anyway, I was yeah. happy to find out that New York is on the good good end of it. But yeah, like Mumbai's, the pollution's insane. And you don't realize that as you're there, at least I didn't. Maybe when I went up for a run, I kind of like caught some of it, but it's insane. Like you can't see the sky a lot of the time um, wow. i was in china and it was like once and it was it was similar level to that to beijing i thought i'd notice it like so you know from boston but just driving three hours north to my uh-huh. my little ski place here in the white mountains i get out of my car and i'm like it's been amazing like, yeah and you know you can see all the stars at night yeah like, yeah. I would imagine, I wonder on that scale that you were talking about, if New York, I would think just by default, because it's New York City, you know, that maybe it would be the highest in this country on that scale. But I don't think I'm it is sure. at all. There's definitely industrial cities and cities that don't true. give a shit about like whatever that city that also just had that spill. You know what I mean? There's like all true, kinds true. of fucked up places, I think, in America that like that. But I think as a major cities go, you know, like you're comparing New York to like Paris or London or mm-hmm. Los Angeles, like it's on the really good end of it, actually. I love that. City. We should Google it. We could Google it. Yeah. Like most polluted <laughs> cities in the United States. Well, I go down rabbit holes. Speaking of like Manhattan, I don't know if you've ever seen these videos. There's this guy, he like walks around the streets of New York and he'd be like, How much do you pay for rent in Manhattan or in New York? And they'll be like, Four thousand mm. a month. And he'll be like, Can I have a tour of your apartment? They're usually like quick one minute videos. I've mm. I've watched like a hundred of them probably. Because mm-hmm. it's so fascinating. Um seeing like all the little nooks and crannies and like, uh-huh. I don't know if I could ever do it, at least not now, maybe in my twenties or something like mm-hmm. even living in New York or even in Boston. Yeah. I don't know. Do you ever get sick of that grind or like, how do you, how do you navigate? And that was kind of a broad question, but. I have a place in upstate New York that I've nice. had for like 10 years. So I, I go up there, you know, as much as I can get up there. So when I leave the city, I'm like, get me the fuck out of here. <laughs> and then I get upstate and I'm hanging out there for as long as I can do that. And then when I come back, when I drive back to the city, I look at it and say, this place is incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, look at, look at these buildings. Look at how many cool people there are here. Look at this place is amazing. Yeah, It allows me to appreciate what's good about it with the luxury of escaping it. During COVID, I was uh, with my family. We were, we were, uh, we spent like, I don't know, maybe a year and a half upstate because the lockdown in New York was pretty gnarly. It was like, mm-hmm. that was the best time to have a place upstate. So like, get the fuck out of here. And we spent the whole, you know, lockdown and into the next year, like upstate. And I, I loved it. And I felt, I guess, because maybe there wasn't really that, that was much going on in the city that I was felt like I was missing out on. I didn't really care. I think it would be harder to to just live up there now because I would feel, I think, 
I love where I live. I, I really think it's such a cool thing to see like um, how New York is just like endlessly just comes up with cool shit. It's really inspiring and, and uh, interesting to witness. Yeah, I love that city. You just hit home for me in so many ways because I call like this ski place my little doomsday getaway. Also, I did the same thing during COVID, the initial shutdown. I had just got off like a full tour and then everything shut down and I shot up here for the entire time. It was the perfect uh, doomsday getaway. You know? Yeah, it's really nice. I, yeah. I really loved seeing um, like spring opening up, like watching the change of the seasons was really amazing when you see it in, in you know, the country, like, cause you see like, you know, what critter comes out first, you know, what flowers come out. Like there was flowers in my, in my place upstate. I never had seen bloom before because I just never went up that weekend. Right. And it was amazing to see all these different, um, you know, as the animals show up, as the animals go away and that whole kind of thing was was really, really cool. And uh, I look back on that time finally. But, you know, I was up this past weekend, too. It was great. I try to get the best of both of them. Yeah, that's exactly what I do. And even when I'm not on the road or whatever, I still kind of feel like I'm always living out of a suitcase because I'll spend a week here, a week yeah, down in Boston same. or half a week. Or I'm just always on the go. And this is like a super selfish, random question, but do you have like a suitcase, <laughs> like a specific set of like travel luggage? I'm trying to be like efficient. And uh, I, uh, I do because you know, I, I could use some advice there. Damn, I don't know if I'm like a great person. I, I look on some of my bandmates that really dial it in. I, I think the less you have, the more I respect your game, to be honest. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Because there'll always be some stupid thing I brought that I don't wear at all. <laughs> the bigger the suitcase, the more of those things are in there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I try to fit everything in a um in like a carry-on if I can. Yeah, know? same here. Carry-on and a, a backpack. backpack. Yeah, because I, I always have a pair of running sneakers. Mainly the main thing that I end up is sneakers. I need running shoes, a pair of shoes that I might wear on stage and one that I just like walk around in. And then I just, you know, a few pairs of pants, some shirts, basically whatever it is I try to fit it into like, yeah, like a carry-on, like a rolly. Yep. And a backpack, you know, at the end of the tour, if I have to buy some little bullshit bag to like, I have a couple extra things, it's all right. Yeah. You always end up with like more stuff at the end, touring or not, right? I'm like, well, how did I end up with all this shit? <laughs> Actually, what I'll do too, is I'll throw it in my um, guitar case sometimes. Like, cause I have like, I have a gig bag. So in, there's like space in gig bags, you know, if I acquired some new t-shirt or whatever, like, and I, and I don't have space in it, I'll throw it in there. Right. That's like maybe one good tip. If you have like a, a guitar case, the gig bags, yeah. the mono gig bags. Yeah. That's great advice. So speaking of traveling, do you keep count of like how many countries you played in or? I don't know where, I don't, I couldn't tell you how many countries I've been to, but I've been, I've been, uh, yeah, a lot, tons. A lot. Yeah. The only place I haven't gone is like, um, I want to go to Indonesia or like Singapore, Thailand, that part of the world I've never been to. Have you been to the- Or Africa. I've never been to to Africa. I've been to Morocco, but I've never been to like, you know, Africa's huge. Morocco is just like whatever. So this originally started this podcast as like a travel log. Uh-huh. And then when COVID hit, I started like talking to musicians. So I try to talk about traveling. Mm-hmm. Let me ask favorite day off, we'll say outside the United States, I would say with the band, favorite day off you've had, maybe like something that was unexpected. Maybe you're, I don't know, somewhere in like Brussels or some shit. And you're like, this is amazing. You know, what comes to mind? Um, I mean, recently Quicksand had a day off on a drive in, um, I can't even remember the place, but one of these like Biloxi, Mississippi or something like one of these things are on the Gulf. 
we just, you know, got like a, a room for the driver, you know, kind of thing. And um, we just kind of kicked it, went to the beach. We couldn't even really swim in the water because it's like all ground. It looked like coffee. It was not water that you wanted to swim in. You put your <laughs> legs in it. It was gross. But uh, the beach was really nice. I went for a nice run. There was nothing about it that was really special, except that I just really had a nice time with everybody. Well, we went to see a movie. I can't remember what movie we saw. Shit, what was it? Dune, maybe. I don't know. It's just like, see, like it's a nothing day, but it was just really fun. But what the one that came to mind that was more exciting, that was more recent. With rival schools, I remember we had some sort of, uh, we had a, like a couple of choices of places that we could go for like an overdrive or something. We had to like take more time. We had to have it to stay off. So we were going to go to some stupid place. And then we found this other cool place to go. It's called Cadacas. It's in the Costa Brava in, in Spain. So it's on the um, the Mediterranean. And it's where, where uh, Salvador Dali lived when he was, you know, older or whatever. And so there's this museum there. And we all rented uh, scooters. We were talking about motorcycles. Yes. We all rented scooters, like tourist scooters. And there were seven of us. And we all just like <laughs> tore it around like a corny ass tourist biker gang. Let's just ripped it around all these like amazing, uh, beautiful scenery and uh, all by the o- right in the ocean and um, we just had the best damn time like all day like just stop for food you know just magical day and in a place that we had never heard of in our lives and just so some stuff like that happens you know I, I mean it's it's not like you know anything like I said like the day with quicksand is just like I don't know I just really liked being with everybody I just liked the simplicity of it and um I don't know why that sticks in my memory as like maybe it was just like a good time for us to have a day off and I just really wanted it but um those are just two that come to mind there's probably other shit where we you know went on a roller coaster and you know I don't know Dude, that's a great answer. Some of my favorite tour memories are just like playing ping pong with Travis or or whatever. Just, you know, simple things, you know, or traveling wise. One of my favorite day, I, I toured Europe, but not well, didn't tour. I traveled Europe solo for like four months, a few years, but right before COVID. And um, one of my favorite days, not only on that trip, but just ever, I was doing a, a cruise around like the Greek islands. Mm-hmm. So we hit Mykonos right next to like the McDonald's, like downtown, mm-hmm. like where all like the tourist stuff was. I was just like trying to find something to do. I had no plans. And there was this dude up in the alley. He was just like renting out four wheelers. It was like 35 bucks. Give him 35 bucks. Dude, mm-hmm. I just rode this four wheeler all around the island for like 10 hours. I would hit beaches and uh-huh. it was just, I, I still think about it all. It was like the best day ever. I would do that, the scooter rental thing too. Uh, I don't know, a lot of those cities over in Europe. I remember the first time I did it over there was in Lisbon. It was fun, but it's such an old city that everything's like cobblestone. So it's like, was that like that in Spain or was it like smooth? <laughs> Oh, excuse me. Bless sorry. You. My allergies are killing me, by the way. Um, That's okay. I can tell you're struggling, man. I feel bad. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Be, I, no, don't be sorry. I just fighting the sneeze. <laughs> no worries, um, man. <laughs> Yeah, no, in in, uh, in Kanakas, I guess, yeah, there was there are certain points where it would be like that. But, you know, it's all these um kind of cliffs and mountainsides. Wow. So there'd be all these like winding roads and uh, in through like little villages. And um, yeah, but I, I hate when you're on those those cobblestones and it's just like your brain's bouncing. Oh, it's brutal. You know, or like my daughter and I were in uh, Berlin last year and we uh, and we rented those like little scooter, you know, those like little. Like the razor scooters with yeah, motors. Yeah, razor scooters with yeah. motors in them. <laughs> yeah. And we would hit the cobblestones and it would just be like not fun at all. But those, you know, those experiences where you're just, I think it's really beautiful to be in a place far from home and have nothing to do. What a beautiful thing. And like, you know, no one's expecting anything from you. And um, especially if you're in a, in a band, there's wild freedom to it. But also you have to be here at this time and you do these certain things. And there's these rituals and routines of it that are really cool. 
but to get the fuck out of them is amazing when you have the opportunity. That's so true. Like I'm, I'm in between tours right now and I've been doing the podcast, but aside from that, I pick up a couple merch gigs, couple bartending gigs, but I'm trying to just chill, dude. <laughs> mm -hmm. because, because, you know, it is like perceived as this glamorous thing and it is amazing. Like it is like a dream come true. I'm sure you can mm -hmm. attest to that way more than me even. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's still a grind like anything else. And even when you are on the road, maybe going to these places, that's why I asked particularly day off, you know, because yeah. Sometimes you go to a place and you don't actually get to see it. Oftentimes, right? That's why I really like running. If I go for a run in a city, then I get to see the whole city and I can condense it in, in mm -hmm. a period of time. And then I, you know, when you're on tour, you're it's also very social. So you're always around people. So if you go for a run, you get away from everyone and then you go back, you have like a little bit more of that. You've checked in with yourself and seen the town and it's a nice kind of counterbalance. But like um, there's load in, there's load out, there's like sound check. You know, there's things that you got to do every day. Mm -hmm. And um, the actual travel, <laughs> right? The actual, yeah, sitting around, a lot of sitting yeah. around. I personally love it. I mean, I've given most of the majority of my life to doing that. So I, I really mm -hmm. love it. But I could also see how someone else, because I know people. It's just not like, for everyone. It sucks. It's not for everybody. It's right. not like their idea of what's cool. You know what I mean? And um, for me, somehow it is. I, I just really, I really like it. I love it too. Sometimes personally, I can't speak for anyone else, but sometimes I think maybe I'm like running away from something, but I don't know. I just going back to what we were talking about before, just going back and forth. Even if I am home, I can't even stay home. Like I have to go up to New Hampshire or down to Boston uh -huh. or, or like I'll run away to Europe for a few months or like I'll hop on a tour cool. last minute. You're a Rolling Stone. Yeah, there you go. I like that. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Now, in the spirit of two week notice, what are some other jobs that you've had in the past? Two part question. So other jobs that you've held that, you know, weren't music related. Uh -huh. And if you weren't, you know, in this field, what do you think you'd be doing now? Um, I worked at Walbaums. I was a, uh, which Walbaums is like a, a regional supermarket. I was a wagon boy. So I would collect the wagons from out in the parking lot and bring them back in. I loved that job. How old were you? I did that when I was like 14 in like the uh, ghetto near Boston. Uh, yeah, I was like 15, 16. Like my first job ever. Yeah, yeah. And, I, um, I liked it too. So I like the simplicity of it. It was really hard to mess that job up. You had a lot of autonomy. <laughs> I like that job a lot. Uh, I worked at health food stores. I was like the juice bar guy at Integral Yoga, which was a really, uh, it was a great health food store in the, in the West Village. I liked working there. It was demanding, you know, because there would be like rushes where you'd be at the juice bar and people would be like, I want my carrot juice with ginger and blah, 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 blah. And people like, especially then and in that part of the city, like it could be really neurotic. But at the same time, there was like the AIDS epidemic was happening. So people would come in for like these, uh, you know, people that were dying, trying to get wheatgrass juice, you know, trying to do anything to help their health. So it was interesting to see, like, to be there at that time. I like that job as much as you could like a job. A couple other health food stores. I attended bar once or twice. Um, Probably similar to juicing, right? That, yeah, except like, I, what you were just saying about the rushes, it's like it sounds like bartending. Yeah, it was kind of cool, except like a, I was terrible at it. So anytime I, you know, I just did it. Okay, yeah, I can do it, and I didn't know any of the drinks, so I would just overpour and just. Oh no! It, yeah, and um, so did people you get fired. I didn't get fired. I just did it because my friend had this bar. I was like, do you want to come in and do it? I don't know. I was in a state of mind. I was like, oh, yeah, fuck it. See what that's like. It didn't stick for me. Um, that's kind of all my jobs. I worked at some health food stores, attended bar a couple times. What do you think you would be doing if you weren't in music? I'm going to take yoga off the table, too. Uh-huh. So what do you think you would be doing now if those things weren't an option? 
Or if you had never done them, right? Just like, you know, in another life kind of thing. My plan before music kind of took over was that I would go to college and like probably get a, some sort of degree and be a teacher. You know, I, I thought, see that. oh, you know, I like history. I like, you know, I, I'm interested in philosophy or whatever. I don't know. I'm, I'll be interested in some sort of thing like that. And then I would get a teacher's degree. That was like my kind of vague plan but I didn't even really get close. I went to college on and off for probably like, I went for like a year, a year and a half, and then I quit. And I was breaking it up in between that because tours were coming in. And then, you know, right. then I got, I was signed to a major label, so I wasn't going to do that. And then I went back into classes every once and again, but I, I kind of gave up on the dream of, of, uh, of doing that. I don't know. I think being a teacher is a very hard job. I think I probably would have struggled with that, but you know, I think I like the job that I have because I don't think of it as a job. It's just like, I'm doing my thing that I would kind of I think I would be doing anyway, you know, one job that I thought about getting when there was all the major labels was, um, oh, I could see myself when I'm older being some sort of like a major label, like A&R guy or something like that. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. an elder statesman coming in, signing the bands, because there were guys like that. I remember meeting Fearful Sharky from uh, Undertones and he was an A&R guy. And I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. Like he was in the Undertones and now he's an A&R guy. Like if Fearful Sharky signed my band, I would be, was interested. I'd want to sign with him because I think Undertones are cool. So it's like, I thought, oh, maybe that would be some sort of career for me down the road. But now there's no music business. So it doesn't. Right. It, that's not. Yeah. What are those? What are those A&R guys doing now? They get to like adjust. The, right? ones, the ones that were smart, like. Invested. had sick contracts and cashed out, you know, yeah, um, right, right. and, uh, you know, there was a little money to be made doing that. Uh, if you had a hit record, you know, you'd get points on a record or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess they just had to find everything, real estate to real estate. They all got totally. real estate. Yeah. That's what I, tr I was in the corporate world for like uh -huh. a, you know, like a decade and up until a few years ago. And I got a couple condos and that's my retirement plan because I don't know what else to do, man. Yeah. But I mean, actually literally selling real estate. Yeah, well, so I got these two condos. I know I can, like one of them's in Salem, Mass, which is like booming right now. And then this, uh -huh. this ski spot. I don't know. I talked to Kurt Blue about this too. I'm not a stock market guy mm -hmm. and I don't trust like the banks and mm -hmm. I'm not going to, what am I going to stuff money under my mattress? No. I like the property thing, you know. Uh, yeah, well, it's a good investment. It's a good yeah. investment. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't know what I would do. You know, I think it would have to be something like creative. I could do like, um, anything in, in kind of creative fields. I think I could do where there's like, you're making up an idea, you're working with friends. I think that's kind of exciting, but I mean, I think the ship sailed for me a long time ago. Yeah, yeah that's fair. It's always an interesting question. And I don't know about you, but I, I think about it when I talk about other, when I talk to other musicians about it, they're like, I don't know. And some people they're like, it still scares me, you know? Mm. Um, it's I mean, you got to figure out some way of making money. Right. And it might not be like, I think a lot of people don't really know what they want to do. Like, I didn't only think I knew what I wanted to do. It just kind of worked out, you know, to where it's like something I liked doing became my thing. Right. But I don't know that I would have like, I certainly wasn't like picking it, you know, I would have definitely, cause I mean, hardcore music, I was very aware that like, it was not the kind of music that most people were going to like. I think it chose you, man. Yeah, maybe. It's just beautiful that like right now, like I think the COVID thing in a way, at least right now in this moment, it almost helped in a way because tours and even bands that go way back are seem to be thriving and clearly not a phase, whether it's hardcore or emo or pop punk, mm -hmm. like, like all these festivals that are happening, all these tours mm -hmm. that are happening. It's, it is a beautiful thing. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. So I, I mean, this year is very busy for me and I'm playing a lot of those festivals and, you know, it's great to see so many. Um, there's such a cool mix of uh, of bands and, and uh, just great stuff going on. And so I'm really appreciating it.
I do have to ask this random question while I have you, and if it's inappropriate, please, like, I'll, mm. I'll cut it out. You can stop uh -huh. me. But I had uh, Jake Brennan on this podcast, mm -hmm. the Disgraceland host. Mm -hmm. He was in Cast Iron Hike. And... Yeah, I know Jake. Okay. I love that guy. I first heard this story from him. I don't know how I, and then I looked it up and it's like this really famous story of mm. youth of today getting raw meat thrown at them from Slapshot. I, were you at this show or were you playing in the I band? I don't know that that's, I was not in the band. I definitely I did not experience that. So I, I, that must've been either before I was in the band or a myth, you know, maybe they threw something and I would definitely remember that. Okay. It's pretty dumb. I remember someone in an algebra class telling me about this show they went to, not a concert, a show in Boston. And it was crazy. Like this band from New York showed up and this band from Boston was like throwing raw meat at them. And I was like, what the fuck are you even talking about, man? And it was, <laughs> uh, it was this st now legendary story about youth of today playing TT and the bears and slap shot throwing showing up and throwing meat at them because they were vegetarian. And, you know, a week later I had the, where the wild things are, uh, comp the revelation, New York hardcore one and, and New York hardcore and then Boston hardcore. Um, when Jake brought up that story, uh, I just, I don't know. I, I never thought I would talk to someone who was in Youth of Today. So I was like, well, yeah. I might, might as well ask if. I uh, don't know if that's true. If it was, I wasn't in the band. We love Slapshot. Like, right. They were great. You know what I mean? So I think like maybe Choke was, uh, I think it was definitely from the Choke side of things more like, uh, you know, making something out of this, you know, Boston, New York rivalry. And uh, and he's just more, he has like a sort of like that personality that kind of like likes to poke a little yeah, bit. And yeah. uh, it's part of what makes him, you know, makes his music interesting. And, uh, but we played with them. I never felt like, like what would the competition be? Like what? How would who gets to to decide what that is or whatever? Right. But I I think it, it was fun. But throwing raw meat, I don't know if that ever happened. That's just like something that I would guess if you were the person that did that, like you'd be like, oh god, that was stupid. Why did I do that? Right, right. Um. All right. So is a train coming through? I'm. Can you hear that? I can. All? I can that. And actually, you know, I've got it. I've got to go. Because, I know. You, yeah, um, you got to go anyway. I got a um, rehearsal. Do so you have time for like two questions? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's do them. If you could give advice to a younger version of yourself or, you know, someone up and coming in the music industry, uh, what comes to mind? Uh, someone coming up in the music industry or um, I think you really got to love what you're doing and follow that passion. To me, like um, the sort of like result thing, like this will make me happy. Like I'm going to put in this to get this, that that's going to make me happy. There's no guarantees in like music world that anything will ever happen regardless of how much energy you put into it. So I think it's, you have to love it. You have to go on the enjoyment of like actually being into it and and appreciate the ride, appreciate all the, all the, uh, while there's like super cool things that'll happen, like, oh my gosh, this is so great. Like we're playing this beautiful sh show at the magic hour and in, in, you know, in this festival and it's a beautiful setting. There's also like, okay, I'm sitting in the van for like whatever hours, you know, or sitting backstage or someplace like all those things are part of it and and that you have to kind of appreciate and and enjoy that and if you're like in music business trying to promote a band like that's really hard too you know what i mean like you have to love it and really believe in it but i think that's probably true with, with i mean not so much because i think there are things that just like if you want to be a, a you know let's say you want to be a lawyer you got you don't might not love it but you you gotta if you work really hard you could be rewarded well said man all right so 
Final question, and we'll transition this right into plugs. Please plug anything you got going mm-hmm. on. I'd love to hear what are your short-term and long-term goals for you and your bands and your projects. Mm. And yeah, please um, just transition that right into anything and everything you want to plug, and mm. we'll, we'll be done. I've uh, been working on some new music um, for a lot of different projects. I'm so like doing so many different things right now. And um, so I'm looking forward. I'm playing a lot this summer, especially the, the rival school shows that are coming up because I haven't played with rival schools in a long time and uh, a lot of new new music to put out in uh, in 2024 for sure. So that that's going to be that's my goal is to have a have a bunch of new music out and, uh, you know, keep onward and upward making better stuff and exploring the edges of the uh, of the music physical possibilities of the universe. Rad, man. Where can we see any of your bands? Are you doing, you, I think you're doing double duty at Furnace Fest. Is that correct? Maybe triple duty at no Furnace Fest. No, that's double. No, it's double. I'm doing, I'm doing Riot Fest. I'm doing three different bands at Riot Fest. Wow. Um. <laughs> so I don't know. I, this is, this so, is unprecedented. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll put links to all your stuff. Anything else that I'm missing, Walter? No, just a, pl- a pleasure talking with you, Dana. And, uh, and cool that, uh, you know, we have some mutual friends and, and, uh, and shared kind of experience and, and, uh, from life on the road, man. Dude, this has truly been an honor. Thank you for all the music you've made. And, and we didn't even talk about production, all that stuff. You've been a part of so many amazing projects, countless projects that, you know, oh, it's, man. this is you. an honor. Thank you, Walter. Appreciate it. A pleasure. All right, Dana. Take care, man.
you. No. Uncle Dana.